This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Never half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. Ron Swanson. He, we were, We had packed for eight days, not really knowing how hard it was going to be um which is like a pretty friendly i think a pretty friendly average per day for for the route it's a 97 mile route so um and then on the sixth day we were we were getting close to the last mountain summit and the descent back to the down to the trailhead and so he's like you know we should just finish <laughs> we, we could get home tonight and we could get to the trailhead and drive the nine hours back to Utah and be home tonight. If we get to the trail before dark, we could be home by sunrise. And I'm like, oh, we totally could. And so we started hauling ass up this, it's called Downs Mountain. It's just over 13,000 feet. And uh, like five thunderstorms rolled in. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirt bags and hiker trash. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute to help us out. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. 
Well, this week we are talking to Canyon Guide, intermittent blogger, and bona fide hiker trash, Jackson. How's it going, Jackson? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Now, I say bona fide hiker trash. Is that is that self-described hiker trash? Do you identify as hiker trash? Yeah, I mean, I think at this point it's an appropriate term. Yeah. And what what are the qualifiers? What do you have to do to be considered hiker trash? It's not just picking up a hat at the uh, the local outfitter that says hiker trash on and being able to wear it. I mean, you've you got to have some cred. Yeah, I mean, I think you got to go try to hike a long trail at the very least. So I've done a few of those, so I think I qualify. Okay. You know, uh, IB Tat, his, his qualifier was you had to spend at least one night in a public restroom. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I think eating out of dumpsters is a pretty good one for the hiker trash label as well. I've done my fair share of dumpster eating. Okay. What, what is the, uh, what, what's the key to good dumpster eating? Avoiding, uh, like you got to avoid the meat stuff and making sure that if you're going to be taking things out of dumpsters, that it's like relatively fresh or at least can be cleaned off. So, I mean, I don't take meat out of, I don't eat meat, but I don't take meat out of dumpsters regardless. That's just like a hard no for me, but produce and stuff usually pretty okay. Is there a prime time you're looking for? Is it, is it like a late afternoon or is it early morning? I think that depends on where you're dumpster diving and, um, like, cause some places have security cameras and I've gotten like yelled, I've been like dumpster diving and then gotten yelled at outside of grocery stores and other places just have locks on things. And so, um, or like, I mean, trash cans at restaurants are usually pretty good sometimes if you're in a trail town, but I'm always a fan of just eating off of other people's plates and stuff right at the table. So I, I've got that same skill. Yeah. Fact, it's an important uh, one. Yeah, I've got I've got a great story that when I don't know how great a story it is. I think it's pretty I think it's pretty pretty funny because when my wife and I were in college, we went out with a, a friend of ours and he was sitting across from us and we're at this restaurant and she's obviously finished eating and he reaches over and starts picking at her plate. I said, dude, hey, I I have the first right of uh of of picking stuff off of her plate. That that comes to the territory with that. You know, she's my girlfriend, I get first choice. So just back off awesome yeah i don't know yeah yeah as, as i said it's probably probably just a great story in my mind uh, from your reaction probably not that great of a story but uh, there you go all right <laughs> hey, it's always picked- other people's food yes jackson have you picked up a a trail name uh, on your on your uh many trail miles out there yeah my trail name is wow wow yeah wow wow okay yeah and what was the story behind Wow? Uh, I mean, the story is not like necessarily super appropriate for like my professional setting, probably. But uh, like generally speaking, I'm kind of uh, like, wow, this is awesome. You know, wow. Are you guys seeing this? Like, wow, I'm like pretty drunk right now. You know, wow, this is great. You know, I think it's that you know i just say it a lot it's it's nice to be um pretty amazed i think with the world and with the trail so that is a good outlook on life right to to constantly be in the wow state of mind yeah i'd like to feel that way about most things yes and i've just renamed you on the screen here to oh, wow <laughs> yeah so you and i both have uh three three letter trail names with an o in the middle hey it's nice to keep it simple you know it's easy 
kindred spirits. I always say that, you know, the shorter a trail name, probably the better because in an emergency, emergency situation, if you have, if you have to get like seven or eight syllables out to warn something, somebody that something bad's going to happen. I mean, that could be the, the difference between life and death. Yeah. It's, it's a lot, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know if I ever mentioned you, I had a different trail name on the PCT, my first through hike that I, I really hated. And, uh, I didn't ever say anything about it. And so I was renamed wild the next year, right before I hiked the Colorado trail by some friends that I was hiking with. And, um, I don't know the whole trail name thing is, you know, people have their own opinions about how you're supposed to get those or not, but I was really renamed something that felt more like personal and like myself. It's like a huge weight off your shoulders getting renamed. Yeah, I really hated, hated the other one. And I have friends that still call me that sometimes when we're on the phone from the, from the PCT. And I think they're finally learning, (laughs) but I feel the pressure of my many listeners saying, doc, you have to ask him what that trail name was. I mean, I feel like if we, if we don't hear what that former trail name is, that that'd be just like a huge stone unturned. Uh, yeah, uh, Maybe it's better left that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, my trail name was giggles. Um, oh, okay. And I don't get, I'm not a giggler, you know, I don't like, I don't do that. I laugh really really loudly and really high pitched when I'm laughing really hard but I'm not a giggler and so I just didn't feel like it fit ever okay well we're gonna try and get you to laugh really loud today during the podcast see if we can see if I can weigh in on whether that's a a robust hearty laugh or if it's it's if it's actually giggling and you just have a a misperception of yourself I think it'll it would be pretty obvious okay all right good stay tuned for that we'll see if we can make that happen Hey, wow. Have you had a chance to listen to the podcast before? I have. I listened to a few episodes. Yeah. Okay. So you are familiar with a segment we have towards the end of the episode called the Pro Tip Insight of the Week. That's where I will turn to you and ask you to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. Now, of course, you are on the hook for trail wisdom throughout the episode, but uh, there is that one segment towards the end where, where you'll have to come up with something new and original. I'll do my best. <laughs> okay. Did you have a favorite uh, favorite guest or a favorite episode from the past? Well, I was I was just listening. The first one I listened to was um, with Buzz Burrell, mm-hmm. and uh, I think you had you had reached out to me. I was on a I was doing a long run, and I had gotten cell service, and I got your text. And I was like, oh, I'll just like check it out. And so I listened to the episode with Buzz and um, who I've you know generally been like pretty inspired by just with the whole like ultra running and i know that he has done some pretty intense routes including some of the ones that i've done um so it was it was cool i think the whole fkt ultra community is really interesting i think it's it's you know it's niche like through hiking but in a in a more organized way so that was pretty cool and then i listened to one with john shores and um, I think there is another one that I, I can't remember, but I think you also interviewed my friend, Chris Carter, rad. Oh yeah. You know, Chris. Yeah. I hiked the AT with him last year. So nice. I'm trying to think, did he point me in your direction or not? Uh, Cause sometimes I get, I get references, uh, for future guests from, from past guests. So yeah. it's, a, it's a nice little referral process we've got going there. And it's, yeah. it's also, 
you know, indicative of how, how small the hiking world is, uh, you know, it seems like everybody know either knows them person knows each other personally or knows of them. Yeah. It's not that big of a, it's not that big of a community. Not, I think the people that stick around and do it a lot, it, it seems to get smaller and smaller, mm-hmm. even though it seems like it's not really getting smaller at all. So. Yeah, I think since Wild came out, since the movie Wild came out, I think there's been kind of an explosion uh, of of folks getting out onto the trails and and trying this this newfangled thing, newfangled to them, uh, thing called through hiking. It's just getting it's getting really busy out there, you know. I mean, I guess that maybe it's not. I have my own opinions about the whole trail getting busy thing, but yeah, it's definitely like a, a constantly changing and growing community, and I think you know, there's plenty of people that have been doing it for a long time, but it doesn't, it doesn't really feel like there's that many of us. Now I'm interested to talk to you a little bit later about some of the hikes that you've done that may fall into the category of the, the road less traveled. I think uh, you have some, some, you have an interesting hiking resume and some, some trails out there that I would like to try that are not in California that I can't wait to hear your, your thoughts and your experiences on them. So stay tuned for that. We'll, we'll get to that. Sweet. Okay. The must bring gear review. All right. So another feature we've been doing this season is the must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, six moon designs. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much, pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So, wow. What is your must bring piece of gear out there? Right now it's a big lighter because <laughs> like realistically everything else is like good enough. I feel like, but I, um, yeah, I feel like that's like a life-saving piece of equipment, you know, like everything else could be totally crappy or not exactly what I'm looking for. But if I like can't start a fire, I'm like potentially quite SOL or somebody else's, which I have had a situation recently where that was, like really important. So, uh, right. And that's pretty specific, a Bic lighter, not a Zippo lighter, not uh, some waterproof matches, but a Bic lighter. Oh, they're just like, you know, the little tiny ones are so nice and convenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's when you're... Part, in all the other gears, like whatever, you know, it's not like that big of a deal. Right. And so if all the other gear is pretty much whatever, what is your, what is your base weight on your long, longer trails? What are you striving for? Um, I think it's like, I mean, guys, like depending on the weather, it's like 10 to 12 pounds or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Okay. And I, are you, I don't think I've ever weighed my backpack. And why is that? I mean, is that, is that you're not that concerned about, uh, uh, yeah. ounces of between, you know, 10 pounds and eight pounds or 12 pounds and eight pounds. So you just, if it's, if it's light enough, it's light enough. Yeah. I feel like if you're trying to cut, like. I just don't think it's that big of a deal. Like my pack is pretty light. My gear is really dialed for me. You know, it's sometimes going to be heavier. Like it was a lot heavier than I wanted it to be last winter when I was finishing the AT because it was cold and I was, I needed to carry more clothes, you know? Um, But it's, I don't know. I just don't really feel like it's that, that big of a deal and like that important, you know? Now, are you a, a, are you a tent guy or a tarp guy or cowboy camping? I have both, both 
tarp and tent setups depending on what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So I have like a little teeny tarp that I use out West because it doesn't rain very much. And then I carried, um, I carried a trekking pole fully enclosed tent last year uh, out East. It was just too wet and too rainy to not have. Yeah. Right. And are you a sleeping bag or a quilt guy? I'm a quilt person. Yeah. Nice. I have, I would not, I cannot imagine making the transition back to sleeping bags. I just don't see the point, but I move a lot in my sleep and I like feel very claustrophobic and uncomfortable in sleeping bags. Anyways, I just like have not been less warm in a quilt knowing how to use it properly, which I think is more of like a skill set thing than like quilts are better than necessarily than sleeping bags, but. Yeah, I've got a trip on the High Sierra Trail starting next week, and I'm taking mm-hmm. my uh, my Six Moon Designs uh, trekking pole tent and a quilt. Yeah. And, uh, looking forward to it. It's probably going to be really nice. Yeah. Hoping you know, so. Be on the High Sierra Trail, which I've heard is really beautiful. You haven't, you haven't made it out to the High Sierra Trail yet? No, I mean, I've done a few other Sierra trips. Right. Yeah, but mm-hmm. not that. Okay. It's the hiking pole. All right. See, speaking of hiking poles, this is a great transition. This is a, uh, this is pole P-O-L-L, not P-O-L-E. This is a seven question survey that's going to help me determine how sane you are. All right. So, I mean, if, if I were to ask yeah. your close, your close friends out there to give you a, a sanity ranking on a scale from one to a hundred, where, where would you fall? Do you think, what would they say? I think that would vary. Yeah. Depending on who you asked. <laughs> All right. You're really close, close friends. What would they say? I think they'd say that maybe they probably wouldn't join me on most of my trips. <laughs> yeah. So borderline. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now we, we've kind of changed things up here at the, uh, at the podcast. We are, we're not including uh, hiking related questions in the hiking pool. Surprisingly, we're talking about life's big issues. Some of the, some of the, big questions of our time that really need answering. And it's going to be interesting to see which side of the issues you fall on. Are you ready for this? Are you nervous? Hit me with it. Okay. Question number one, just to get you warmed up here in real life, not on the trail in real life. Do you sleep with your socks on? Never. That was pretty definitive right there. Yeah. Never. I don't, I don't do that on the trail either. Like I don't ever sit with socks on. I think my feet are warmer together. Okay. Nice. All right. Question number two. So far, so good. You're, you're doing, you're doing absolutely fine. Question I need the value. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the final score is not going to depend on, you know, if there's a right answer or a wrong answer, it's how much I agree with you. That It's all okay. subjective just from my perspective. I'll start really trying to psychoanalyze you then. Oh, interesting. Okay. Nice. I'm going to try and act the opposite way then. This is going to be like a a, a triple agent type deal. Here we go. All right. Next question. Question number two. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Personal preference. Is that a yes or no? I don't know. I sometimes enjoy pineapple on pizza. Sometimes I really don't. I think it's a personal preference thing. And that personal preference can, can change, it sounds like. Yeah. But say that it's wrong you know that's like saying like a maui burger is terrible it's like some people really like pineapple on their burger 
Okay. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? Okay, very good. Nice. All right. Question number three. When you're sitting on the porcelain throne, is your toilet paper, does it roll over or roll under in your house? Well, right now it's coming out the front. Yeah, so. Coming out but, the front on top. Yeah, it's on top, but I, it also doesn't bother me if it's the other way at all. Okay, so you just, you just know from memory from earlier today that it's going over the top. Yeah, I just cleaned my whole bathroom, so. Okay, and then, but there have been other times, other times where it comes underneath. Right. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't, doesn't matter one, one way or another. You're, you're kind of yeah. go with the flow kind of guys. There, well, if there's toilet paper on the roll, like I don't really have an issue. You know, it's more of a problem if there's no toilet paper at all. There you go. You, you, you've identified choice C, which is the important thing is, is, is that there's toilet paper, period. Right. I'm pretty grateful to have that in the first place. Okay. Hey, uh, side question doesn't count towards your sanity scale. Best place you've ever gone to the bathroom. Ooh, I feel like I usually have a favorite bathroom in each town that I've lived in. Um, you can apply this question to the trail as well. Yeah. Oh, that's tough though. Oh man, that's such a hard question because I've had so many good poops. I've we talked about my whole like poop Instagram thing. Um, man, I had some really good, really good privy poops last year on the, on the AT, that was kind of a new experience for me. Um, the, oh yeah, here it is. This is my favorite trail poop. So have you hiked the Appalachian trail? I have not. Okay. So when, you know, Northbound hikers finish, um, but it, for us, it was our first day. There's this bar. I think it's the, I think it's the blue ox bar or something like that up, um, near the terminus and it was the first bathroom that we had like my that rad and i had gotten into when we got into town to stay at the at the hostel and we went out to that bar and there are all these like all these northbounders that were all partying because they just finished and we were like about to start our hike southbound the next day and the bar has a, a toilet restroom with two toilets next to it or next to each other and so we pooped together in the bar next to each other and uh that was pretty great. That was like a high quality trail pooping experience. Okay. Par partner pooping. <coughs> but in town, like not in a yeah. privy. Right. Yeah. Shoulder, shoulder to shoulder in town. Got it. Yeah. That was a good one. Now I have to follow up. This, this also is a, a side question, uh, not counting on a hiking pole here. You said something about poop and Instagram. Like uh, there, you, you got some, you got some relevant posts here. I, uh, I have this Instagram account called through poo, which is just hike trash poop selfies that I've been um, like, you know, casually having in my life for like a year or something now. Yeah. Okay. So people like sending me poop selfies from the trail and then I like, I post them. And it nice. brings me. Yeah. So if I send you, if I send you a, a poop selfie from the high Sierra trail, you can, you can post it on that account then. hundred percent. It's going up. Okay. You have I would love that. All right. Yeah. Very, very good. All right. Back to our survey here, back to the hiking pole. There are these little video pictures, uh, uh, the call that are, they're, they have an acronym for their name. It's G I F. How do you pronounce that? 
Uh, they're gifts. Gifts with a yeah. hard G. I guess so. Yeah, they're a GIF. I Final mean, answer? To, sure. Okay. All right. Very I feel good. Like, like I could be really judged on that one, you know? It's a controversial. I mean, the other option, I guess, would be GIF, right? GIF or GIF. That's what I've heard. Yeah. And you're going with GIF. That's what I say. Yeah, I think you're right on that one. I think you're right. <laughs> We're yeah. in agreement. Cool. Yeah. That's good. But I was looking. <laughs> All right. Question number five. Cats or dogs? So I grew up with cats, but I really like, I like having other people's dogs around and not having to actually take care of them myself. Cause I don't have enough like room in my life for having pets at all. But I think cats and I have really similar uh, boundaries. And so I understand them better, but I don't know, a little bit of both. Okay. And, no, it, one and not the other. And do you prefer big dogs or little dogs? like like medium sized dogs. I can't I can't do like really big dogs. It's like way too much animal. But like little dogs, I feel like I'm always going to step on them and you know, crush it's a little teeny dog self. And so that makes me nervous. So like a nice medium sized dog, you know. Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, you certainly don't want an animal that has a larger poop than you do. So right. Yeah, not living in the same house yeah. at least. Yeah. Yeah, unless you teach it how to use the bathroom and, and, you know, which, which uh, right. toilet paper style like, to prefer, you know, over or under. I want my roommate can have that dog as long as it takes care of the dog, you right. know, and out with it. That sounds awesome. <laughs> All right. Question six. Do you use the Oxford comma? Yeah, probably pretty often. I don't, Yeah. I guess so. I probably use it a bunch. I'm writing, I was filling out a job application today. I used a bunch of Oxford problems. Okay. Nice. You know, there are some people out there that, you know, I think the modern, modern society has said, you know, you don't need the Oxford comma. You don't need that final comma. You've got, and as the separator in a, uh, a simple series. Right. But I guess it, I feel, I feel like it kind of depends on the tone of what I'm trying to say is because it sounds different when you're reading it out loud. And so I think it's circumstantial. Right. But. Okay. Now the Oxford comma is that final comma in a, in a simple series, like red, white, and blue. Right. How many commas would you use? Red, comma, white, comma, and blue. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And for our listeners out there, I mean, punctuation is important. Punctuation could be a matter of life and death. I mean, there's uh, let's eat grandma with a comma before grandma. And then there's let's eat grandma with no comma. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a very different sentence. You're definitely correct about that. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. Our final question. We could probably spend an entire episode on this question. And in fact, I think there have been podcasts out there devoted to the subject. So important answer here is a hot dog, a sandwich. Ooh, I had this conversation recently. Um, I don't know if there's really a definitive answer because I feel like hmm, sandwiches, I feel like require, they don't require two pieces of bread. So I guess in technicality, sure. I guess it could be. What would be the argument against it being a sandwich? Well, that it's only got like one little, it's got like a little loaf 
flap, you know, and uh, really you're just having, you just have this one little meat sliver with condiments and no other things going on it really. Like I feel like sandwiches have more than condiments on them. I love your description. I mean, we're talking about a meat sliver in a loaf flap. Is that a sandwich or not? And I love the way you describe that. That's, that's just, that's awesome. Okay. Hey, let me do some- I guess, right. But it's yeah. really crappy little bread flap. That's not really that great. I mean, like a hot dog bun is like one of the most uninteresting pieces of bread you could ever put anything on. I feel like it's a waste of a hot dog to like put it on. You might as well put it on something else. You can eat a hot dog at all. I'm always so sad when I have a hot dog bun. I'm like, this is a stupid piece of bread. It doesn't taste good. I could have like a more interesting experience eating something else. That is a strong stance right there. What, but, uh, what, what do you eat your hot dogs on if it's not a hot dog bun? I just don't really eat hot dogs. But like last year, I ate like, I had so many hot dogs last year. And I just, I can't, I can't eat hot dogs anymore. I'm kind of sick of hot dogs. They're just really gross. Yeah, I, I grew up in a household where my mom boiled hot dogs. Is that, That's even worse. Yeah, I feel like you got to like grill them, you know, at the very least. Or like if you're going to chop them up and put them in something, you might as well like, you know, cook them in a pan and crisp them up a little bit at least. Boiling hot dogs, the saddest sounding thing you could do to your body. <laughs> Yes. And you know what? We, we all, we all observe our parents. We all think back to our childhoods and then we have our own families and we decide, you know what, this was a really cool tradition. I'm going to continue this. And there are other things where you say, I would never subject my kids to this. And so I'm, right. I'm happy to say that I've never boiled hot dogs for my kids. That's good. Do you grill them for them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Sounds like you're but, <laughs> Yeah. But I do put them on sad little loaf flaps. As you, as you uh, previously described, not too late to change your ways, doc. <laughs> All right. Hey, let me do some quick math here. I got to carry the three. I'm going to divide by pi and uh, multiply that by the root of seven. We're going to adjust for the altitude of Mount Katahdin. And I come up with a solid 68. That's not so bad, right? <laughs> That's not so bad. Yeah. But uh, depending on your future answers, the rest of the episode and our conversation, that, that, that score could go up or it could go down. So it's, it's not a static score. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, you know, expected. Yeah. Yes. Do you expect it to go up or down? The more I get to know you. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't feel like any, any crazy person really gets to decide how crazy they are. But I guess if- we'll see. If, if you, if you think that you're crazy, I mean, does a crazy person ever think that, that he or she is crazy? I mean, isn't that the definition of crazy that you act crazy and you think you're sane? I mean, if, I mean, if you wonder, if you wonder if you're crazy, does that mean, that means you're sane automatically. Right. Or, or am I, am I getting that wrong? I feel like some, like right now I'm having this like personal situation going on. I just feel like I'm totally insane, you know, but realistically I actually am not the crazy person in this situation but it makes me feel totally nuts to like have no idea why this is hap- why this situation is so complicated and challenging. So maybe I'm, maybe I am totally insane and other people aren't. And maybe it's the other way around. I have no, I haven't figured it out yet. So now is this a situation? That we, 
is this a situation that we could help you talk through here on the podcast or is this just, just too fresh right now? Uh, well, like I am just sometimes continuously baffled by people's inability to be direct when they're communicating about things. So that's, you know, maybe as deep as it needs to go without okay. divulging people's personal information in this situation. But I'll say that living with people is hard. And, uh, you know, not everybody is a good friend. Some people are just roommates, I guess. Yeah. And you know what? A, a truer word has never been spoken that living with people is hard. I've, I've been married for 30 years and I'm still figuring stuff out. I think it's, I think that's just how relationships work. You know, some relationships just need much stronger boundaries than others. And uh, some don't need to really be relationships for as long as they have been, you know? So. Okay. And I think people's communication styles, when they try not to be confrontational, so they don't take the, the direct approach, sometimes that leads to more confrontation than if they had just been direct. Right. Well, cause like confrontation usually kind of helps us avoid conflict, you know? And, and, and so I really like to be very direct and upfront and, and specific. And I think that sometimes is kind of intense for people. Um, but you know, if that doesn't happen, then we end up having issues. And like, so we're having some issues right now. And so I'm kind of being direct and upfront and, and intense, and it's not necessarily always received well after the fact, you know, it's, it's definitely better to do it at the beginning. And so some mistakes were made on my front and trying to make up for that lack of communication now it's kind of challenging but it's getting there so you know just like uncomfortable communication can be uncomfortable and it's i think especially uncomfortable when you don't when you're like dealing with it on the back end rather than before there are problems so and there's like hurt you know people get hurt feelings and there's resentment that's been built up and you got to navigate that now which is which takes, just takes work and is, and is hard, but it's just, I'd rather do it than have continued resentment and issues going on. So, or seeking clarity. Well, I hope that our little discussion here was uh, a little bit helpful to be able to talk, talk through some of this stuff and uh, we'll, we'll move on. Yeah, we can move on. <laughs> hey, before we get too far down the trail, let's back up a little bit. We would love to hear your, your backstory, hear about uh, where you grew up. You played any sports and hobbies uh, as a kid. And how did you get involved in the thru-hiking cult? How, how are you convinced that uh, being out in the dirt for months on end was a, was a good idea? Yeah, so I grew up in, um, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which, in, uh, which is a pretty big college university town. And Michigan is like very um, outside of a lot of the larger cities, like a relatively like, rural area. Um, and uh, I never really liked living in Michigan. I, I was not into football. My family wasn't into football growing up. And that's like kind of a big thing um, growing up with the University of Michigan around and like, you know, town like shuts down on football days. And um, I was, I just wanted to leave. I just never wanted to live there. And I didn't want to go to school there. And I didn't want to like get stuck in Ann Arbor, like all the townies. And um, so, and I, so when I, 
graduated high school, I took a year off and I did a little bit of traveling and working. And I ended up going to school a, a year later in Arizona, trying to get a degree in, in adventure education, which is like, I mean, it's like outdoor recreation major, but I think a little bit more wilderness and backcountry oriented. Um, and I, w- I was doing full-time classes for a year. I broke my foot my first semester, so I missed out on a bunch of trips. <clears throat> like pretty significant backcountry class- classes. And um, so then I couldn't take a bunch of classes my second year because I didn't like qualify with enough backcountry experience. And I was pretty upset about that because I thought it was kind of ridiculous. And um, I started trying to see if I could design my own classes, which is one of the sort of like benefits of the college that I was going to is you can write your own curriculum and take your own class. Um, if you have a, if you have a mentor or a, like a professor to sign off with it. And, uh, and I was like searching around the internet, like, Oh, what can I do? You know, I screw these people. I'm like, I'm going to do my own cool course and I'm going to bike pack the Baja divide. And then I was like, I cannot do that. Like, I don't even have a bike for that. You know, I have no experience. I'm not about to like, I was like 20. I'm not about to like design a, you know, semester long class in Mexico, like by myself on a bike, you know, with like no experience doing any of that stuff. And, and I found out about the Pacific Crest Trail and I, I pretty much decided I was going to, I, I wrote a, a semester long college class about like backcountry trip planning and logistics. And then I, I dropped out at the end of the semester in PCT <laughs> and uh, I haven't been back to school since. So that was pretty much it. I was, it was like kind of like a big, like, screw you guys. Like I can do this myself. You know, I don't need this super expensive formal education system to tell me how to like go have fun outside with people you know, I don't need to like spend this much money to be a guide. I could probably just like go on some cool trips by myself and then get a job doing this and start getting paid. And it seemed like all of my friends who were going to school to basically learn how to be professional guides, you know, well, they were getting a lot of really cool experiences and and technical experiences with different types of outdoor sports, like backcountry skiing and whitewater rafting and making some you know, more unique connections through like the academic field, they were still getting the same jobs, you know, that I was potentially going to get without a college degree and not really getting paid much more, if anything more than I was going, if I just went and did it on my own. And, um, and so that's, that's now, that's what I do. I been through hiking and, and working as a guide intermittently. Okay. Now, do you remember the, the moment that you realized that there was a hiking path that went from Mexico to Canada called the Pacific Crest Trail? I'm always interested in that, that yeah. moment of realization where people thought they, they, they recognized that this is actually a thing that exists out there. Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, I remember like Googling stuff and looking it up, but I remember watching, um, I think the movie's called Take Less, Do More which is on, it's on Vimeo. I think it's a, I think it's like a Gossamer Gear related production. These two guys, they go out and they hike the PCT and it's just like really beautifully filmed. And um, I was like, that's it. That's what I'm doing. You know, I'm not going to school anymore. I'm going to do that. And maybe I'll go back. But if this is 
as awesome as I think it's going to be, then, you know, whatever, I'll figure it out. I don't, I don't remember like a specific day or anything, but I remember being completely enthralled and hooked. Like that was it. I was like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I want to do and need to do. And there's nothing else that is really interesting enough. That's different than this. This is what I'm going to spend my time and energy getting ready for. And what was the reaction of your, your family and your parents? They weren't really, really that stoked that I was um, at college. They were, I mean, they, um, my parents are really supportive. They're really wonderful. They definitely um, took the approach of expressing their concerns, you know, and, and letting me know that they weren't going to like try to stop me or convince me otherwise, but they definitely asked me to consider it seriously. And I was like, well, I have considered it seriously and I really hate being in college and getting a degree that doesn't seem like it matters. And I don't really care about right now. So my friends were stoked. I mean, I think some of them were a little skeptical that I was going to actually do it, you know, but it worked out. And, and is that how you're, you are financing your adventures is that you're doing some occasional guiding? Yeah, it has been. I mean, it's, it's changed a lot over the last like four or five years. So I've worked a bunch, a few different jobs and some of them I've come back to and some of them I've left and some of them have not, have not been guiding related, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's, I guess for the most part, I, I work as a guide and that's how I make money. Okay. And, and where do you guide? What, what, what part of the U S um, I'm in, uh, well, I still live in Southern Utah near Zion national park right now. And I do slot canyoneering, guiding and hiking a little bit. Um, so I, you know, take people rappelling off cliffs and into canyons and, you know, send them on their way and I go home. It's pretty nice. <laughs> All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into some tales of excitement and maybe tales of peril. Uh, see if you have any, any stories on either side of the spectrum there. We'll, we'll get into that. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water, using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, 
all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your pod- podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We're talking to Jackson Sims Myers, also known as Wow. So far, I haven't heard the the uh, the loud laugh yet. So we're still we're still hoping for that in a little bit. We'll get there. Yeah. Okay. And you have a a wealth of uh, experiences out there on the trail. I mean, it, we, ha- we I think we have 10, 10 or eleven things listed here in possible discussion points, and that that's too many things. But how about how many how many trail miles underneath your shoes here do you have? It's like six or seven thousand or something, I think. Okay. I've, I think I think it's more than six, but less than seven total. Okay, so you've walked across the country basically, and are most of the way back uh, to the other coast. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. Okay. Now I, we mentioned before you did the PCT northbound, except for Northern Cal. Did you have to skip Northern Cal that year because of the fires? Yeah, the fires were really bad and I was running out of money. So it was like I could try to push ahead or I could go just skip ahead and do the rest of the trail. So um, and the fire, I mean, it was like within two days they had closed like most of the stuff that I was walking through anyways. So it was the right choice at the time. Mm-hmm. Now, most of my experience has been in the Sierras, uh, John Muir Trail. And such some, uh, like I said, I've done some of the high, the high CR trail before and we're gonna do the full thing this summer, but mm-hmm. I've heard, I've heard that, is it Uinta or the wind river range is, is very similar to the Sierras. The winds are really like big granite, beautiful Alpine mountains. Yeah. Yeah. Tell I us, think you've, winter, done each, wind- you've done each of those. So tell, tell us a little about those trails, Uinta and wind river. The, well, the, the Uinta Highline Trail is, is like a kind of a hybrid through hike on and off trail. There's, there's quite a bit of on-trail hiking. And then there's like some off-trail travel, which is, I, I thought, pretty well marked. And then there's like a small couple sections where you're using a map, but not, it's really not that complicated. And it's, it's, it runs through the Uintas in, in northern Utah, which is an east to west mountain range. It's really beautiful. Um, big like glacier basins you're not doing like really all that much elevation gain um it's i mean it's gorgeous it's but like pretty relaxed i think it's 100 it's like 100 miles 104 miles or something like that and now, then in leading up to that hike did you did you do any research on it did you happen to watch highline the film uh by outmersive no but i i knew of the movie and i kind of wanted to go out there not having seen a bunch of stuff about it already. Um, Cause I, I don't, I just want to go see it for myself. You know, it's like, I feel like 
also I think I have like a lot of um I feel pretty confident like looking at a map and reading trail information and like figuring it out and not having to like really think about it too much anymore and um and so I didn't feel like I needed to like do that much research for the trail because it seems pretty straight it seemed pretty straightforward based on like my skill set so it was great I mean I had no idea what to expect going out there so the whole thing was pretty awesome now, when you did that, when you did that trip, were you, were you solo or do you have, you have some, some buddies, some close friends that you do these on the regular with? Uh, that one I, I did with, uh, I started with five other people, um, which was rough <laughs> and three of them got like three of them were not through hikers at all. And I had kind of set some pretty high expectations or like standards for the mileage that I was going to be doing. And I said, if you guys think you can handle this, you can come. And they um, had to drop out on the second day and at the last like trailhead before you entered like the long stretch with difficult access. And so we just left them at this lake near a trailhead with a road and finished the trail, the other me and the other two and, and picked them up at the end. Um, but yeah, did they never still, did they still talk to you? Yeah, we're they were it was like friends and coworkers. So I'm not I don't think I'm like super close with um most of them, but we like, you know, stay in touch every once in a while. And did they did they not believe you or did they have higher expectations of what they were capable of? I I don't know. I mean blisters, knee pain, like some stuff is just like bodies were hurting and we were doing you know, we did some pretty big miles out the gate for folks who aren't necessarily used to that, mm-hmm. you know, I think some of my friends were like a little bit more out of shape than they thought. The blister thing was pretty bad. Pack weight was pretty bad for another one. Like they're just not having a good time and hurting. So they called it when it was safe to, and, uh, we kept going, which was, I'm glad that we did. Cause I had a really cool experience. Uh, it was a really, that was like the most, I think scenic section of the whole trail was the last, you know, three, three and a half days or whatever it was. Right. And what was the, what was your best memory of those last three and a half days? Favorite site out there. We had like really nice sunsets every day and, and the trail sort of like, I mean, you start off in like pretty low elevation, kind of like high desert for like 20 or 40 miles or something like that. And then you hit Alpine zone, Northern Utah Alpine, and you just, go over these passes and then down into these huge basins and then up another pass and then down into this huge basin. And then you cross over like Utah's highest mountain, which is King's peak. It's like 13,000 something feet. So it's just really gorgeous. And you're, since you're always walking, we were always walking towards the sunset. So every night we were hitting these beautiful passes and these basins with these incredible sunsets every day. It was amazing. So I think that was a highlight. It was cool. Nice. You know, challenging dynamics with the people who were there. It was a really awesome trip. Gorgeous. You're going to have to share some pictures of those sunsets. Yeah, that was cool. And then how about uh, the Wind River Range? Badass. It's like if the Sierra were steeper. Because um, the winds are, I mean, it's not like as long of a range, but you have these much more the the walls just feel like they come up so far above you 
and they're so close. Whereas the Sierras, I feel like have always felt more like stretched out and like enormous. The winds have always, the winds, the few times I've been there just feel really tall. And so you go, I mean, just really big ups and downs in these big cirques and it's my favorite mountain range for sure. Definitely. I think like scenic value mile for mile, that's like the most scenic through hike I've ever been on. Okay. That's, it, it's, it's, that's now, it's now on the bucket list. I've, I've got to get out to the winds and do, and do the wind river high route. Yeah. It'll blow your mind. And it's, you know, at least there's a couple of different high routes. We did Skirka's, which is, you know, mostly off trail travel. So, you know, for a little bit of time, you're on a trail at the beginning and at the end, but generally like you're not near anybody or on any hiking paths for most of the route and, and you're up quite high. Uh, so it's spectacular. Yeah. And we talked a little bit earlier about how crowded things are getting out there on the, the more well-known trails. Uh, mm-hmm. Based on that conversation, I'm thinking that you probably enjoy the, the, uh, the off trail more than the, the on trail experience. Is that, is that accurate or, or what do you think? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, yeah, I mean the Wind River High Route, we probably saw like, we maybe saw 10 people, you know, like that we crossed paths with um, in six days. And mo- like a few of those people we saw at the very beginning when we were on the trails. And then we ran into like two or three other groups that were, um, you know, groups of two that were heading the other direction on the high route. So it was very isolated. Like we never camped with anybody um, ever. We barely saw anyone, you know, we go like an entire day, like, you know, there'd be some people like coming down the pass over there and we'd walk along the other side of the lake you know, kind of, it was cool. It was really, it felt really out there. That was my first like route. I hadn't really, like the Uinta Highline Trail was, we, I had done just, just prior to that sort of to like see what it would be like to kind of do a less trail oriented through hike. So. Right. Any, any type two adventure out there on either one of those trails? Yeah. Well, the Uinta Highland Trail is pretty mellow. We had nice weather and outside like my friends like struggling to hike it was pretty relaxed and then the winds same thing like perfect weather until the last day and we had we had I was with my my hiking partner this guy Uncle Nutsack and um he we were we had packed for eight days not really knowing how hard it was going to be um which is like a pretty friendly, I think a pretty friendly average per day for, for the route. It's a 97 mile route. So, um, and then on the sixth day we were, we were getting close to the last mountain summit and the descent back to the, down to the trailhead. And so he's like, you know, we should just finish. (laughs) We, We could get home tonight and we could get to the trailhead and drive the nine hours back to Utah and be home tonight. If we get to the trail before dark, we could be home by sunrise. And I'm like, Oh, we totally could. And so we started hauling ass up this, it's called Downs Mountain. It's just over 13,000 feet and uh, like five thunderstorms rolled in right as we were getting up to the top at like 1.30 or two in the afternoon. And, and uh, like we're getting a little nervous and we start hiking down and there's this big snow field 
it's a big snow field or, and there's this ridge of big rocks and you can just take the snow or the rocks. doesn't really matter. And we're getting, we're on the rocks, we're crossing the snow and we're getting to the rocks and it goes flash, boom, flash, boom, flash, boom, like lightning, hail, wind. And so, and he's screaming, he's like, we need to take shelter. I'm like, what shelter? Like, we got to go, dude. Like, we got to go. And so we ran and we jumped into the snow and glissaded down to the bottom with the lightning and everything. And just like, you know, it was probably over like 30 seconds, but that was intense. That was really scary for sure. For like a couple minutes there. What a, what a, what a 30 seconds though. I mean, it only took yeah. 30 seconds, but it is a memorable 30 seconds. Yeah. I mean, I've, and I'd never used an ice axe before to self arrest. So we're like hauling ass down the snow and I'm like, ah, you know, Wow. And that, that story is so relatable, not because of the, you know, the outdoors and the adventure, but I think every family has an uncle nutsack in it that uh, usually takes, takes family members down the wrong trail and gets them into a bunch of trouble. And you just can't, you can't rely on uncle nutsack. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Fortunately, this uncle Nutsack's pretty good at maps. So he's like my, he's been my main hiking partner for the last couple of hikes I've done. And is, does he like that trail name? I mean, was that bestowed upon him? And he was like you early on, you know, I, I really don't like it, but nobody's given me anything else. So I'm just going to go with it. Or he, he really kind of leans into uncle nutsack. It was definitely bestowed upon him and has grown over the years. I think. Yeah. He was a 20, 2019 PCT through hiker. Um, this is the year after I, I went and, and we met at a guiding job and, uh, and then just became, I think we went on like one hike together and, and then we went for a through hike the next month. So yeah, he likes the name. I think, you know, I call him like sack or nutsack or stuff like that, but uncle nutsack in full. That's the full formal name. Uncle nutsack. Good dude. Yeah. That's how, that's how all of his mail arrives is uncle nutsack. No, no, right. no abbreviations. Right. If asked to say it on the box. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, let's talk a little bit about the Sierra high route because sure. I, I love the Sierras and I know that the Sierra high route is kind of uh, an alternative to the John Muir trail. Kind yeah, of goes yeah. the same general direction, but it, it is a, a much higher as evidenced by the name, uh, higher, higher line uh, through the Sierras. So that was in yeah, 2021. Yeah. That was just last year for you. Yeah. Yeah. I did that last June. Mm-hmm. So, um, I guess, I think I was still on the route right now last year, I think. Um, yeah, we, another Uncle Nutsack epic. He was my partner for that. Um, and maybe we'll be in the fall for another trail um, potentially. But yeah, it's cool. It starts in Kings Canyon Sequoia um, at the Rhodes End Permit Station, which is like outside of Fresno. It's a little bit further north. Um, and and west than where the PCT enters, um, like Lone Pine, like the Lone Pine Trail entrance is quite a bit further south, I think. Um, so it's north of Forrester, I think. Uh, I might be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure it's north of Forrester and and all that stuff. But so you come in from like in from the west side and you hike like kind of north and east into the middle of the Sierra, and then follow the same mountain corridor 
uh, all the way north up to Twin Lakes, which is like a little bit south and east of Sonora Pass. So it's still like 200 miles, um, but it's definitely a lot harder. There's a lot less, you know, there's like a lot less trail, obviously. And, and you do a significant amount more um, about Alpine passes than you would do on the actual trail. I think there's like 20, it's like 20 something passes. So um, like 21 or 27 passes, something like that. It's quite extensive. And did you ever find yourself uh, thinking you knew where you were and realizing that, that you didn't? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I, I guess like, have you ever, done, have you done high routes ever or like done much map and compass travel? I have not. No. Yeah. The thing, I think the thing that's really different about like through hiking with like your phone and there's a trail is that you don't think about where you are as often. Whereas like when you're traveling and your primary navigation is like a piece of paper in front of you, you're like constantly engaged and looking at where you're going and where you are. And so we were regularly like every like 10 to 20 minutes, you're like looking at your map, either walking or stopping and kind of orienting and making sure you're not going in the wrong direction. And, and some of these trails, like particularly in, in the Sierra high route and, and especially in the wind river high route, it was like, you had to go around a lake at a certain direction or there were cliffs, you know, or like if you miss this pass or you miss this turnoff, like you're going to end up in a totally different area, like walk through the forest, you know? And so we spent a lot more time being really sure of where we were so that you don't get off route. I mean, especially when you're, when you're trying to move quickly, it's not like we were taking our time. So we were like really not trying to make mistakes navigating. Yeah. And if, if some of our listeners are out there listening and saying, you know, how do, how do I get good at mail and compass uh, mail map and compass uh, skills? I mean, what, what is a good resource for them to, uh, to look to? I mean, there's like great, there's a great resource on YouTube about how to like set a bearing and read a map, you know, I mean, it, I feel like right now in my mind, I'm like, Oh, it's like kind of basic, but like, if you don't have a lot of experience looking at a topo map and knowing how all of what all of the information on it means, and then also how to navigate with that, it, I think it can be a kind of a lot, it just takes practice. Like it's not really that complicated and, and it's especially different when you're in an area that doesn't have really obvious landmarkings, like when you're in the Sierra or in the winds or somewhere where you're above tree line and there's really big mountains around you with obvious features, it's a lot easier to tell where you are. You can be like, Oh, I'm, if I know how to read a map, I that's that mountain right there, you know, because I can translate the topographic lines to what that looks like in real life. And that's that mountain. So you can place yourself really easily, but when you're in a forest or like, in an area that's much more, you know, has a more mild profile, I think it can be a little bit more challenging. So. Yeah. You brought up an interesting point and I see some commonality between uh, this interview and interview I did yesterday with David Smith, who's currently on the Appalachian trail. Mm -hmm. He he talked about getting his uh, master's degree from the university of YouTube. And I, I see a similar theme here where we've talked about education and how, you know, you, you, uh, you went to classes for so much and then you decided, you know what, I, I, sh- I should be out there doing it myself and, and getting that firsthand knowledge and then referring to YouTube as a great resource. So, I mean, uh, some similar themes there. I mean, there's just like so much information online that's so well, I mean, a lot of it's like really poorly explained. And so I think, you know, there's a lot of good stuff. You have to like spend some time digging 
and and also I've found because I do a lot of I learn a lot of stuff on YouTube for various things and and some people just explain things in a way that doesn't really make sense to me and so I have to dig around and find resources that are more digestible for the for my learning styles so okay yeah this is just like a, I think it's a practice thing and getting comfortable with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, always, yes, cause I'm not screwing around. I mean, my phone's like my best resource for navigation, but the maps are better for a lot of stuff. Okay. Now you did another high route uh, in 2021. The, uh, you, you wouldn't pronounce it for me. <laughs> the, the Weminuch high route, that one. The- Wimanooch, Wimanooch High Route. What what state is that in? It's in Southern Colorado. Okay. Yeah, it's short. It it's like it's fifty miles from um, outside of Durango, like right into downtown Silverton. Like the route ends in in Silverton. Um, so you walk into town, and like I, my I ended my hike at a pizza shop. Um, That's the best way to end all hikes, right? It was awesome. Yeah, it was great having a pizza and a beer. <laughs> was there pineapple so, on the pizza? There was not. It was a veggie Thai pizza. I have no idea what I had. It was good though. I guess that could be another question on the uh, the hiking pole. Future hiking pole. Do vegetables belong on pizzas? Always. But I don't really eat meat ever. So. Okay. Vegetables for sure. Like as many as we can put on it. We talked about eating hot dogs earlier, so I'm confused now. Yeah, like sometimes eat meat, sometimes I don't. I mean, like last year I was eating all these vegan hot dogs. We had nutsack, and I when we finished the Sierra High Route last year, we um, his girlfriend met us in her in her camper van, and we went to I not Sonora Pass, but another Sierra Pass, like in the northern section of the PCT, and we cooked hot dogs for a bunch of through hikers but we didn't have as many through hikers as we thought. And so I went home with like 20 extra like vegan hot dogs and like 20 or 30 regular hot dogs. And I took them to the, the hostel in Mammoth or in a, yeah, in Mammoth. And I was like just eating hot dogs for like three days at the hostel. It's just, I'm so over them. <laughs> but <laughs> You said Uncle Nutsack and his and his girlfriend, and so that made me think of uh, how how far does our trail name carry over into real life? My family, get this, my family, my immediate family, my my three kids and their significant others have taken to calling me Doc. You know, I, I hear Doc more than I hear Dad these days. Oh yeah. And so I, you know, I, I just wondered does does that also happen with other with other hikers out there? I mean, do you are you called Wow out in the real world? No, just by my hiker friends. Okay. Like they would never call me by my actual name, but my non-through hiker friends are so not, they're so not immersed in that world that it would be weird if they called me like, wow. Cause they're not, that's not a thing that they do, you know? Mm-hmm. So but, I have to think, I have to think that at family gatherings for uncle Nutsack, I mean, they have to know what his trail name is. That is a distinctive. Oh Yeah. Uh, just grabs you by the throat, uh, kind of, kind of a trail name. You, you pay attention to it, Uncle Nutsack. And so, th- at family gatherings, do they do they call out, "Hey, Uncle Nutsack, go get me another beer, please"? Or you know, does that does it, you think that happens? I would, hope, I would hope so. I mean, his 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 girlfriend's name is uh, her trail name is Blackout, so Uncle Nutsack Blackout is kind of a good combo. <laughs> 
<laughs> that is a great combo. Right. Okay. All right. Um, and then let's let's finish our discussion here on your your adventures with your your southbound AT hike last year. I mean, you you fit a lot into last year with the Sierra High Route. The uh, you finished off the the NorCal section of the PCT, the Wemanush High Route, and then you also did a, a southbound AT, AT hike. It was a good year. Yeah. I had a good time. I quit my job in, in mid June last year and I, I didn't go back to work until um, New Year's this year. So uh, yeah, the AT was cool. I, uh, yeah, I was really excited to do it um, southbound at the, at the time of the year that we started. So I think I told you I was doing it with my, with my friend Rad, who I met on the PCT in 18 and um, we had hiked a section together in a little bit in Northern California and then have just stayed in touch. And, and last winter slash spring before either of us had gotten on the trail, I was, we were catching up in like February or March. And he's saying, you know, I'm starting to do the CDT and I'm going to go do the great divide trail section link up, you know, when I get to the end but I don't know if I'm going to be able to because the borders and everything with all the COVID restrictions are closed. And I said, well, I'm going to hike the AT in the fall as fast as I can. If you want to come with me and that works out, we should do it together. And, and so we like just sort of tentatively talked about that for a few months. And then, you know, he's on the CDT. I finished the Sierra high route and I'm trying to get in touch with him. He goes, you know, I'm probably going to be, and I'm supposed to go back to work in July in Utah. I wasn't supposed to go through hike more. And um, he was like, well, I'm going to probably be like another month late, later than I thought, because the CDT is really brutal. And I'm trying to redline it. And so it's taking me a long time and all this closure, like I'm doing all this flip-flopping. So, well, I'll just through hike at the Northern California section of the PZT. I'll finish that get that whole weight off my shoulders. And then we, it just ended up working out where I had to go home for like two weeks, hang out with my family. And then we got plane tickets to Maine together. He, uh, he finished the trail, hitchhiked to my friend's house in Durango, got on a plane the next day and we started the trail a day after. So, um, and the A2 is cool. It's cool to do it that late. Cause so we started on September 11th, which is like, a lot later, I guess, than anyone else goes south, really. And um, which I didn't really know. I don't really know anything about the AT prior to hiking it. I didn't want to. Seems like pretty straightforward. Um, but I knew that I wanted to hike it in the fall and I wanted to go really quickly. And so it was really nice that he was down for that. And, and since we started about a month and a half after we had talked about starting together, we, we had a, a much shorter timeline so we went from having like four and a half months of good weather to like maybe having three months of good weather on the trail, which works out because I wanted to do it in three months anyways. And yeah, a couple of things here. Uh, number one is uh, Chris Carter, Rad. He, mm -hmm. he was on previously with his buddies, um, Andrew Eichenlobe and, oh, I'm drawing a blank on the, uh, on his third friend, Bo, Bo was, was yeah. his name. And they did the, they started out together on the PCT, I think back in, I think it was 2018. And mm -hmm. he made a great film on it called uh, To Measure a Mile. Yeah. 
just absolutely fantastic. So I had all three of them on, on the podcast. They talked about their cool. trip and, and the, and the film. Um, but then I learned that, you know, from that, that he wanted to be become a triple crowner and he was going to do it by doing both the continental divide trail and the Appalachian trail in the same year. And that's what he did last year is he started on the CDT. And as you said, and he, he finished off with the AT, which is, man, that is, that is quite uh, that's the way to go out with a bang in terms of finishing your triple crown doing two in one year. That yeah, was intense. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. And I know that um, from, uh, he, he came on, he finished off season three, season three, episode 50. So he was the final episode of season three uh, and talked about that experience and had a lot of fun talking to him. Um, and mm-hmm. right now this is your episode. This is season four, episode 31. So it's, again, it's, it's always nice to see the connections out there and, and talk to people who know other, you know, previous guests and, uh, it's pretty cool, pretty cool that way, but going yeah. southbound that late on the AT number one, uh, most of the hikers on the AT go northbound, correct? I and mean, that's the, that's the traditional AT hike is, is northbound. It seems, it seems like not very many people go south. Yeah. And then to go, to go south that late in the year, I mean, you had to see like next to nobody on the trail. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, I, I didn't want to do the AT with a bunch of other people. It just didn't seem interesting to me doing it that way. I, I wasn't excited about that. And um, not that it's like a bad thing or anything. I just, I just wanted like a less crowded trail experience, particularly out there. And, um, and so we saw a bunch of hikers in Maine because they were all finishing. Like they're all still hiking north, kind of the tail end of the squad. Um, and then we got to New Hampshire and we had really bad weather the entire time. And I don't think I saw another through hiker until the Southern end of Shenandoah, which is like over, it's like 1100 miles, which is wow. crazy, you know, cause I've heard so many stories about people on the AT, like having a hard time not seeing anybody, you know, and we would go, I mean, we'd go like a whole day without seeing another person sometimes like not through hikers, like anyone, you know, We'd see like a hunter in the afternoon somewhere, you know? So it was real. And, and we were in the fall foliage the whole time, pretty much the first, the end of our first week, you know, leaving the hundred mile wilderness, there was a little bit of red and yellow in the trees, like just a little bit. And then as soon as we got through every day of rain in New Hampshire for like seven or eight days, it was like peak fall colors in Vermont. Like the forest was just glowing and, beautiful and we had fall colors through Shenandoah since we were hiking at a pace to keep up with the foliage changing I mean it was like slowly dissipating but our last few days in Shenandoah or like just south that all the leaves fell off the trees and that was it but we had like you know a thousand plus miles of fall on the AT which is super cool it was just such a special feeling experience to to be out there at that time of the year with so few people and then have such like a beautiful wilderness feeling experience more so than I think there would have been if it was, you know, peak hiker season and there were so many people, it wouldn't have felt so remote. Right. Now you've, you've, you've finished off the PCT, you've done the AT, any desire to do the CDT knowing how, how uh, rough and rugged that, that particular trail is. Yeah. I was gonna, I mean, I have a lot of undecided. I have a lot of feelings. 
I'm going to tell you this because this is what I've been telling people the last couple weeks. I'm really bored of hiking on trails, dude. It's like, and I, I had heard, I listened to another interview where someone asked Andrew Skirka and he said, you know, I'm kind of bored of hiking on trails. And I was like, Oh, that's how I feel. Like it's kind of boring. You know, it's just walking on a trail, you know, it's beautiful. It's, it's fun, but I don't really feel like super engaged. Like the AT was not engaging because of the trail. It was engaging because of the intention that we had set and that I had set for myself and then doing it with rad with so much intention together. That was like a really special magical experience. But I think just going to hike a long trail again, would like not be very fun. <laughs> and um, cause I think I would just get bored. So yeah, I will probably do it eventually, but I'm going to not do it until I'm excited about it. Cause that's how it was with the AT. I was like, I have no interest in hiking this trail. And then all of a sudden, and then I met this person that described their southbound late season AT through hike. And I was like, oh, that's what I want. That's what I want to go try. You know, now I'm excited about it. So I'll go do it. I think it's a waste. I think it's a waste to go do a through hike that you're not excited about really wholeheartedly because it's a lot of time and money and commitment to do something that's like really not that stoked about. So yeah, it makes total sense. And having said that, what is the next adventure for WOW? I'm going to try doing the Whirl uh, next month up in up in Salt Lake area, which is a, it's a ultramarathon, off-trail ultramarathon. So, because that's some, that sounds fun, you know, why not go brutalize myself for a day and a half straight. But um, I just spent the weekend up there checking it out it's a i'll you want me to tell you about it i'm i'm guessing Let's hear it. yeah um so the the wasatch range is like the big mountain range in central utah basically where like all the big ski resorts and everything are um and they're all like it's all pretty much near like salt lake city which is a few hours north of here and i live in the like southern utah desert you know like red rock canyons and um so it's a few hours north and the world is this is created by this guy named jared campbell who is an ultra runner and it circumnavigates little cottonwood canyon which is like one of the big canyons there's a, a bunch of big ski resorts up there and it does 20 20 something summits along the ridge line uh and it's 36 miles so you just stay on the ridge in between each summit around the entire canyon from one end to the other. And it's like this big bean shaped route. Um, and it's mostly, I mean, it's like, I think there's a lot more trail now than there used to be when it, when it was created in like the early two thousands, it was a lot more ridiculous and, and technical and there's a lot more like loose rock and stuff, but now it's not. So I don't think it's really that like sketchy anymore, but it's a lot of scrambling, like class three, four technical terrain. Um, it's got 20,000 feet of elevation gain. So it, it's just like really intense. <laughs> um, nice. Now, if you have a good time doing that, if you like that intensity, I've got your next challenge. Wow. I, I know yeah. what you should be, what you should be shooting for. It is every March in Tennessee, the Barkley marathons. Barkley's. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, with your wayfinding skills, 
and your endurance, your, your ultra experience. I mean, this is, this is sounding pretty good. I feel like if I was to go show up for the Barclays, I'd be that one person that they like pretty much banked on failing, you know, I'd be that guy. <laughs> I'm not like that into running. Um, well, it's not a lot of running on the Barclay, right? I mean, it's a, it's a 25 mile loop, roughly 25 mile loop, but it is like straight up and down in some places. I mean, you, it's a lot of, it's just grittiness and sticking to it type, type of uh, yeah. endurance. The Barclays sound like, if you really wanted to spend like three straight days walking through thorns and just hurting yourself, then you might like that. Maybe that doesn't, that, that doesn't sound like a good time to you. Not today. Maybe ask me. Oh yeah. I probably would like want to try something like that at some point. You know, I think there's like, that's a level that I'm not ready to like really look at yet. But imagine, imagine the movie rights we could sign this to if you, you get the you get the one invitation to the guy they expect to fail and you win it that year. I mean, you you just you stick it out and yeah. Cinderella story. I mean, who would play you in that movie? Which actor? Oh, I don't know. It's a documentary, right? <laughs> well, you'd have your own film crew with you. Perfect. Yeah. Uncle Nutsack. He can play Uncle Nutsack. There you go. That that brings it full circle. Perfect. All right. Hey, wow. You know where we are? Oh, we're at that part of the show. We are. The pro tip insight of the week. That's right. That part of the show where you get to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. What do you have for us? Um, yeah, I was thinking about this. Um, because okay i feel like if you're going for the hike there's like never a good reason to compromise on your experience ever you know if you're compromising on having the experience that you're seeking you're going to end up probably disappointed even if it's like because i mean I, you know, I guess like the example for me is my first through hike and on the pct I was like, kind of, I was quite naive, I think, of myself in particular, but also just of like how things could look. And I was quite afraid of failing. And, and so I made some compromises that I really, really didn't want to be making. And I think that like really ended up hurting my experience more than it helped me feel better about how I was feeling. And so um, ever since then, my goal has been to like, not do that, you know, to, to really like try to stay true to the intention that I'm having. And I mean, that can change and that's fine. You know, Rad and I had the same intentions on our AT through hike until the last like 13 days or something. And we split up and it was super sad. You know, I was really sad to leave him, you know, and to continue on without him. Um, but I know that like, if I had compromised on my goal, you know, of finishing in the timeline that I wanted to, to just to stay with him, because I was sad to leave that I would have had a not positive, positive experience. You know, I would have been giving up like something important to me because I was sad, you know, and, and wanted to spend time with my friend. And, and if he had continued on with me, 
and gone faster than he wanted to, you know, then his finishing his triple crown would have, you know, not been so sweet. I think it would have had this, it would have lacked something important to him, which was slowing down and enjoying it and, and maybe spending time with other people, you know, on the trail and like processing it. And so I don't think there's ever like a really good reason to compromise on what's important to you out there. Cause that's the whole point is to go have your own, your own through hike experience, you know? Nice. I like that. And it, it's, it's really consistent with uh, the message you gave your three buddies on the, uh, was it the Uinta that, uh, Hey, th- these are my expectations. If you think you can keep up, come on. And if you, you can't, well, I'll, I'll see you at the, at the finish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All well, right. That's it. That's all I got. That's my only, that's, that's the probably of gain from it, you know, <laughs> that's good. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Wow. I want to thank him for joining us this week. Wow, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? I have Instagram. Um, wow, I walk. All one word. And uh, I have a blog, but I don't really like, really don't do that much with it. So there's a link, I think. But I, I wouldn't expect that to be something that i update ever but i'm pretty active on instagram these days okay remember to check out the pod on social media as well we're on facebook youtube instagram twitter and tiktok got a tiktok wow well it could be wow it could be wow i tiktok what do you think i am like so social media averse to everything except i mean even instagram is like a stretch right now got it and uh (laughs) If you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakymure at gmail.com. The Adventure Media Recommendation. Jackson, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, website, or a YouTube channel that you keep uh, keep our listeners connected to the outdoor adventures. Uh, we're calling this our Adventure Media Recommendation. What do you have for us? Um, I mean, I, I think Rad's film to measure miles, like one of the best eight or um, pct films ever made so that's what i'm gonna say i like don't actually really like stay into the whole media loop for uh through hiking i'm really stoked on um like right now it's like ultra running and stuff there's i just watched a really cool and like adventure stuff here we go here's a really good one okay this is it i just watched this and i thought it was phenomenal there's this new documentary that just came out recently called the, the Sanctity of Space, which is by Renan Ozturk and this other dude whose name I cannot remember. And it's sort of um, an homage to this uh, mountain aerial photographer, um, Brad Washburn. And then the other part is them like kind of executing this Alaskan mountain expedition that he suggested and took photos of the the range is wonderful super beautiful cinematography and photography and interesting history and story that's that's like the coolest thing i've seen recently that's okay the sanctity of space and what what platform is that on um i rented it on amazon prime i think okay yeah it's pretty it's like pretty new so i think it's relatively limited okay that sounds like a good one have we not asked you wow half calf with that with that accent right there that's uh, <laughs> she, that's my daughter and she is 
American. She is Southern California, born and bred, but uh, she likes to pretend like she's, I don't know if that's English or Australian or New Zealand or South Africa. It may not be anything. In fact, I asked, I asked one of my friends, uh, one of my interview subjects from, uh, from the UK, if that sounded like any accent he had heard before. And he, he confirmed, no, he had not heard yeah. any accent like that. So it's totally uh, so, lost. Yeah. yeah. And so before we wrap things up, I've got just one more <laughs> segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? What do we, what do we miss tonight? I mean, we didn't really talk about like canyoneering too much, which is like probably my other favorite thing besides through hiking and adventure mountain stuff. But I don't know. You think we covered most of the bases besides that? Okay. I feel like it's really, you know, it's like I get really stoked about it. I don't really know if there's much to say that's like not heinously cut silly to talk about because it just probably doesn't make sense. But I love slot canyoneering. And like technical hiking, you know, because through hiking is like doesn't scratch the itch for me. It just doesn't do it. You know, it's like too much walking. And so I love stuff with like technical ropes and, you know, gear systems and like needing to know a lot of different ways of doing things. And I think that stuff's fascinating. And it's like just a really unique environment that you wouldn't ever experience otherwise unless you like propelled into Miss Lock Canyon. It's like, what? you're not ever going to see that because it's in the ground. Ever see it otherwise. That's really cool to me. All right. Hey, what we have to do is we have to have a second episode. We'll call it Wow the Canyoneering episode. You come <laughs> back on and we'll spend the entire segment on that. Sure. We can chat. Or you should come out here and I'll take you on a canyoneering trip. And- oh, perfect. Perfect. Even better. I'll, br- I'll bring a recorder with me and we'll, we'll, we'll do the episode from the canyons. Yeah, that would be that would be wild. All right. Well, hey, that's cool. a wrap from the John Freaky Mirror Studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, Jackson? No, nah, they're all pretty awesome. I think they know that. Okay. Well, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if your map and compass partner is named Uncle Nutsack. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. Right on. Well, thanks, Doc.